Hey, everybody, this is Ryan Dempster, and you're listening to Chad and Ryan on the Friendly Confines podcast. Rhino, we are, goodness, the end is near. Three weekends left of baseball. Getting sad? Yeah. Getting started. But these playoffs are going to be nothing like we've ever seen before. So that's got me a little excited too, doesn't it? It does. It's, 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 it's again, a a unique 2020 baseball uh, uh, wrinkle that we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about uh, the question is Craig Kimbrell actually really good and dominant. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the return of Jason Hayward, the role of Ian Happ and some concerns and some additions to the pitching staff. That's right. And our special guest this week is longtime sports anchor in the Chicago market from ABC7 Eyewitness News. Jim Rose joins us. He's got some great stories about the Cubs and some excellent insight. So stick around because the Friendly Confine starts right now. Hey, everybody. I'm Ryan Lieber. He's Chad Gordon. And Chad, let's start in the first inning as we always do. Down the stretch they come, as we usually say on this podcast, and well, in the horse racing world as well. The Cubs sitting pretty at this recording at 26 and 19. Going into the series, of course, this weekend against Milwaukee, up in Milwaukee. This is not going to be easy for this team. Obviously in first place, obviously still have that slight lead over the Cardinals. I give the Cardinals a lot of credit right now, but I'll tell you what, Chad, how do you think this team is shaping up right now as we play the final 15 games against some very difficult teams down the stretch? You know, they're positioned in a really good way. I mean, you know, as much as the Cardinals look scary because they've had some some pretty good wins and they, they definitely took advantage of the Cubs this past week, um, I would not trade positions with the Cardinals for anything. I mean, they, they have they have a Herculean effort of games that they have to play several double headers down the stretch. The Cubs right now, I mean, this team is going to make the playoffs. And right now, the goal you have, if only because you can be the home team for more games, um, you want them to win the division. They're, they're well positioned to do that. This Brewer series this weekend is going to be a fun way to see uh, how they're going to shape up. But other than this, between the Brewers and the Indians and the Twins this coming week and the and the Pirates and the White Sox, this team, I believe, is shaped up very well to do what we talked about the last couple of weeks and what we saw in that finale against the Reds, which is have the offense start to click and start to hit on all their cylinders. What do you think? I think that this is a team that has been very lucky by the fact that they are playing a very weak schedule. The majority of their games are at home. And other than the Pirates, they are playing teams that have given them a very hard time. They struggle against Milwaukee. They struggle against the White Sox. The Twins are a very good baseball team. Yes, they played well against the Indians, but that's two games. They're really going to have to prove their merit here these final couple of weeks in the season. And the other part of it, too, is the majority of these games are on the road. So while I do think at the end of the day the Cubs are going to win the division, and that is important, especially for seeding purposes, is this a team that ultimately in the long run is going to be able to make a dent in the NL playoffs? And I'm still not convinced of what this team can ultimately do. I'm pretty excited. You look at that last series against the White Sox. And, and as we talked last week with Demps uh, and we talked this week with Jim Rose, how fun would a White Sox Cubs World Series be? So hopefully that'll be something we're going to look like. Let's move on to the second inning. And, and Rano, you know, uh, 
a five-man rotation is is key for the regular season. A six-man rotation is pretty important with some spot starts when you have all these interesting seven-game or seven-inning uh, doubleheaders. Um, but for the playoffs, you really need a three-man rotation if you're really, really, really good. Um, this Cubs team, uh, at one point early on during that 13-3 run, had a really, really good-looking core of pitchers. But uh, I think we're starting to see some true colors. What do you think? I mean, other than Darvish, other than Hendricks, uh, how concerned are you about uh, the, the Cubs starting core? I'm extremely concerned. I mean, it's literally Darvish, Hendricks, and insert guy here. I mean, yes, John Lester is the third starter, but I mean, John Lester is not the same pitcher he, that he has been. And yes, in the past, we've seen clunkers from John Lester, but then he's able to bounce right back. We're not seeing that this year, and it has me concerned. And that's got a lot of people talking about the fact that John Lester may be on his last legs, that this is the duration of his contract. His contract has a buyout at the end of this year. The Cubs have the option of picking it up. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but yeah, it's concerning because, as you said, a five-man rotation is ideal. A six-man rotation in this you know, day and age with what we're dealing with is even better. But when the Cubs literally are throwing out Darvish, and then not just Hendricks, just remember this. Hendricks is only effective at Wrigley. So <laughs> as long as the Cubs are playing at Wrigley, yeah, you're getting a great outing from Hendricks. If you're on the road, again, one of the most perplexing things we have seen in this lifetime, why Kyle Hendricks can't duplicate what he does at Wrigley Field that he does on the road. So, and, and again, if Darvish, you know, turns out to do what he did the other night against Trevor Bauer, um, you know, he's usually great as he has been pitching all year. I don't feel good about this pitching rotation. We knew it was the, the weak link, so to speak, but right now it's, it's really showing its true colors. It is. And um, there's that, you know, there's that little matter of uh, Quintana and Chatwood, um, not being available because of injuries. And so that's definitely a big hit. I'm still very impressed that this team has been able to do what they have done, knowing that uh, they're two starting pitch- pitchers down. Um, the the Hendricks, uh, the perplexion of, of home and away splits is, is very interesting. And hopefully that will work itself out. I mean, it, it, you know, Kyle Hendricks is a big time pitcher and, and Kyle Hendricks is typically a very effective pitcher. So I, I do expect that to be kind of an, a weird anomaly that will work itself out as we go, because it's not like there's a difference in crowd noises or feel. Um, but yeah, he just has a better, a better uh, uh, familiarity or better comfort level at Wrigley by the stats, the Lester situation. Yeah. The, I mean, this is the last year of team control. The, the option year is next year. The Cubs will probably not, pay that much money to have him um, come back. So this could be a swan song. I like to see him, you know, what he's going to do to step up because he know this is going to be the exclamation point. And, you know, what can you say about you? Darvis hasn't already been said. This is potentially probably, you know, uh, between him and Bauer, you know, this is, this is uh, such a great uh, opportunity for Cubs fans to see just how powerful he is. All right. So let's move on now to the third inning chat and, what can you say about Ian Happ that hasn't been said already? The man basically leads in every category for the Cubs. He leads in average. He leads in OPS. I mean, this guy is having such a phenomenal year. He's certainly a contender for the MVP award. If there wasn't a guy named Fernando Tatis, uh, obviously about as far as winning the MVP this year. So, as far as that's concerned, the big question that everyone always had on their mind was the fact that who is going to lead off for the Cubs? 
And the Cubs have found their leadoff hitter, Chad. There's no discussion about that anymore, right? No, it's this is this is as as clear as can be. This is, I mean, when you threw out the name Tatis, I I agree that guy's putting up some incredible numbers. He's going to be a future talent for a really long time. Here's my reason why Ian Happ is the MVP on this team, um, not on this team rather, but in the National League. Tatis has a lot of supporting uh, stars that are all stepping up this year as well. And if you take Ian Happ out of this lineup, where are the Cubs right now? Are they in fourth? Are they in fifth? I mean, Ian Happ has carried this team. As you said, he solidified the leadoff spot. And on top of that, I mean, he is getting to pitches um, that he didn't normally get in the past. He's 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 shown that he is he's able to put in the work necessary to be a big time hitter from both sides of the plate. So, yes, a leadoff hitter, a switch hitting leadoff hitter with power. Um, you know, every statistical category, he's in the mix. Um, it has just been incredible to see um, that the core four, the core five has uh, some new people breathing down their neck and saying, hey, I'll lead the Ian way. Ian Happ leads in batting average, home runs, RBIs, on-base percentage, hits, OPS. It is remarkable to see what this guy has been able to do for a guy who got sent back down to the minor leagues a year ago to kind of figure his you know, his situation out, uh, he's done that. And to your point, I am shocked by the fact because it would just it would just be so interesting to see if Rizzo, if Javi, if, Co- if, uh, if you know, Kyle Schwarber and if Chris Bryant were actually having great years, what this team could potentially do offensively. But the fact that we're seeing these guys step up who are the fringe players, so to speak, it's it's they've been keeping this team afloat and that's what's helping them in the long run. Uh, absolutely. From a value perspective, I think he is the most valuable player. Let's move on to another really valuable player this year. Um, in fact, the probably one of the most surprised players, uh, if you take Ian out of the mix, Jason Hayward. Um, he had quite a week and quite a journey. Um, over the last seven days, uh, you know, Jason shared that, you know, he typically before he ta- before every pitch, he takes a big deep breath uh, before uh, his approach um, in the batter's box. And he wasn't able to do that in a game this week um, and ended up going to the hospital. And so no COVID, but uh, he was out for a while. and It was a pretty scary situation. Are you glad to see Jason back? And what a scare yes, that was. It certainly was. I'm glad he's OK. I will say that, you know, I have this love hate relationship with Jason Hayward. You love him. Um, because if I could make $185 million to just make a speech in Game 7 of the World Series, yeah, I would take that job in a second because that's all he usually was doing uh, up until that point. Um, yes, he is a great defensive player, but I know it's not his fault, but he's not worth the contract he signed. He's just not. Um, you know what? A guy who's making his kind of money should be hitting 300 every year, should be driving in almost 100 runs or close to it, and should be hitting close to 30 home runs a year. And he's not doing that. But he is having a good year. Hopefully, if he can keep his average around 300, he's, you know, at 292 as of this recording. I mean, sure, I'm on board with, you know, him raising his average. But, you know, you got to admit, it was maddening for a long time, and he still does to just constantly drive the ball to the first baseline every time he hits the ball. Very rarely, you know, once he gets it up in the air, it goes out of the park, or sometimes he, you know, hits it into the outfield for, you know, a clean single. But, um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, listen, I don't blame Jason Hayward for signing that contract. That wasn't, I'd take that money too. But he's not worth the money that he gets on a day-in and day-out basis. He's just not. And, and again, he's a, he's a solid defensive player. But, again, he's, 
somebody who is just we're going to have to just kind of accept the player that he is. But if he can improve his hitting each you know time he's at the plate, getting to 300, that makes me a happy camper. Absolutely does. Yeah, I, you know, I think we're looking at two different players. I think uh, I agree from the from the you know from him coming over at sixteen, um, and his what he's done, his body of work for the Cubs. It has been a, a tick above average, right? It's not been well above average. It's a tick above average. Um, but this year, he has had a, a breakout year. He is he and and Ian are leading this team. I mean, he's a one point two WAR player. Um, he's scratching three hundred. Uh, and what I'm seeing this year. Um, that I haven't seen in years past um, is he's making incredibly solid contact. Some of the hardest hit balls um, are being hit by Jason Hayward. So he has figured some things out this year. I think there's a comfort level. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe how hobby doesn't thrive without the fans. Maybe Jason thrives without the fans, maybe just, you know, not having that pressure, but I'm seeing some, some excitement this year. I'm seeing less chopped balls into the ground, uh, you know, routine plays to the right side. I'm seeing really solid contact and, and, and I hear what you say about defense, but, but, you know, Ryan, um, he shuts down 40% of the outfield. He shuts down everything in front of him, behind him. I mean, everybody in the world, everybody after just a couple of weeks fell in love with Castellanos and was like, ah, oh, the Cubs really blew it. They should have kept him. How bad does he look in right field? And how important is it to have somebody like Jason Hayward, where if it's in front of him, beside him, left and right, He's going to climb a brick wall to try without to without a doubt. Catch. I've never, I've never said anything bad about his defense. His defense is stop notch. One of the, he's the best right fielder in baseball defensively. I a hundred percent think that's the case. But again, if you're going to pay a guy the money that he's making and it, I don't fault him for it. I just want to say that it's, I would take that money too. Uh, you, I'm going to expect more from a guy who's, I want to see a guy hitting 300. I want to see a guy hitting 30 home runs and I want to see at least a hundred RBIs. So let's move on now to the fifth inning chat. And, uh, well, Craig Kimbrell, who, of course, has become a punchline in the Chicagoland area for the way he's been pitching. But it's interesting, Chad, because maybe Craig Kimbrell isn't as awful as everyone thinks he is. In fact, Craig Kimbrell is now a Chicago Cubs record holder, and it's a positive record. He set a Cubs record with his ninth straight relief appearance, okay, within one season, going to 1901 with two-plus strikeouts. He was tied with Lee Smith, who did it eight in a row, in 1983. So when Craig Kimbrell goes into a game, he's actually been pretty effective. Sands for, you know, there was that one outing where he absolutely <laughs> got destroyed. Um, but overall, maybe no. we're being a little too hard on Craig Kimbrell this year, Chad. What do you think? No, oh, I, I think I think that's a bad take. That's your bad take of the month because, no, he, you're right. You're absolutely right. The stats are the stats. He strikes out two-plus guys every time but the problem is he's walking a ton of guys the problem is you can't put him in a pressure situation he's been completely ineffective aside from one or two appearances this entire year maybe his entire career with the cubs um he just has not been effective when the pressure is on and so the good news is his curveball's working now i mean early on if you think when he first came out there teams were just like you know taking a knee whenever he he sets up to throw a curveball knowing they weren't going to swing at it this is a guy that you're right has the stuff but mentally he doesn't have it to be the guy that we need. And it harkens back to, I think about our preseason preview issue um, uh, episode rather, where you said your guy that you're most excited about that, that is not one of the core guys is Jeffress and how, what a pickup that was, because thank goodness for that. That's the closer right now. Um, largely Kimbrell is not going to work himself back into a closer role. Um, if he can get, 
control of his control, um, there's a really good opportunity that uh, that uh, that he could have some situations um, where it's high leverage. But right now, no, he is not a guy that can be trusted in high leverage situations. He's been really good. And let me throw these numbers at you during this nine in uh, this uh, nine game appearance. Two point one six ERA, fifty six percent strikeout rate. Oh, but twenty um, percent walk rate. Yeah. Not so good. No. So that's uh yeah that's that's my take on him and uh, and I guess we will move right into the sixth inning uh, to another member of the bullpen a beloved member of the bullpen unless of course you are just so emotionally tied to how a hat is worn because there's a lot of people out there that are very sad about Pedro Stroke's hat I love it I think it's awesome I'm glad to see it back. Right, how excited are you? Even though he's not on the big league club yet, how excited are you that the Cubbies went well, out and got if we can Pedro see back? Pedro Strope's circa 2018, I'm I'm all in on that, right? I mean, this is a guy who was, yeah. you know, absolute money every time he came out of the pen. Last year was obviously the year that, you know, basically caused the Cubs to say, Hey, maybe we need to go in a different direction. But yeah, if if Strope can kind of, you know, recapture that magic that he had where you know, he was that setup guy and a key member of the 2016 team and, you know, certainly, you know, made his mark. Um, sure, I'm all for it right now. As you mentioned, he's in South Bend, you know, kind of helping to kind of get himself straight and trying to figure out uh, what he needs to do to get up to the big league club. I mean, don't you think it's only a matter of time that we see Stropy on the big league roster? I feel like we're going to see that in the next 15 games that they're going to call him up. And, and play a little bit. But yeah, I mean, look, Strope's always been a fan favorite. He's always gotten, you know, he got a big pass last year when he wasn't pitching well. People kind of took it easy on him. Um, but, you know, again, this is a what can you do for me now business. And, uh, you know, if you're able to provide, you know, substantial, uh, you know, uh, uh, like performances for a team that needs it at that moment, then yeah, we're going to love you. If you're not, then you're of no use to me. But hopefully Stropey, uh can get himself straight and maybe we can see him in the uh, not too distant future. Such a key member of that core team from uh, 13 to 19. Um, obviously was a part of a lot of losers in that respect, but then also was there um, during the glory years of those straight, uh, those three straight NLCSs. So, you know, he's the guy that, you know, obviously at 35 years old, his, his, uh, his numbers are going down. I mean, relievers don't typically get better. At that age, they they lose something, and he's lost uh, two to three miles per hour on on uh, on his fastball, his cut fastball. So he's not as effective in that respect. But he's a teammate that people love um, to be around. He's a guy that brings energy. He's a guy that when he puts on that Cubs uniform, he brings the energy and the excitement. And so if he works himself up there, I think you know what it is. It's an it's an arm. It's a known entity. Uh, you know, and, and it's not like there's a lot of people sitting out around there. So he's a guy that the Cubs may or may not bring up. Um, I like to see him in a, in a Cubs uniform if we can get him in that situation where maybe he could he could help out with some some, uh, you know, some of that uh, um, into the into the uh, the game uh, needs to get him to to Jeffress. So if, if he is going to be the guy, we're going to find out probably here in the next week or so. I doubt that he's going to just join the playoff roster. So if we we don't see Pedro in the next week or so. We're not going to see him, but it's good to have him back. Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines. You know, Chad, we've always had some really amazing guests, and this week 
Well, we have another unbelievable guest. Of course, he is a legend in Chicago. I grew up watching him myself, been at ABC News in Chicago for over 40, almost 40 years. 1982 is when he first stepped foot into the building, and he is still going strong today. It's Jim Rose joining us here on the Friendly Confines. You can find Jim at Jim Rose ABC7. Jim, welcome to the seventh inning stretch with Chad and Ryan. How you doing? Brian and Chad, thank you so much. Uh, doing wonderful and uh, hoping we can keep our White Sox and Cubs continuing on the same path. Maybe we can get a, a Crosstown World Series. You know, you kind of alluded to it when we started this interview about both the Cubs and the White Sox. And, you know, we haven't seen this, Jim, probably since I want to say 2008, where both of these teams made the postseason. There was a lot of buzz in the city about both teams. So as far as the excitement goes in the city, what has it been like to cover both teams that legitimately have a chance to compete for a World Series championship this year? Well, you know, during this pandemic, it's been kind of hard because, you know, we're all cooped up in our homes. Like I'm doing my sports casts from home and very rarely get a chance to venture out. So I have to rely a lot on uh, social media. And some of the comments that go back and forth between the diehard Cub fans and the diehard Sox fans, as these two teams have made their way through this 60-game schedule, you know, basically both of them in first place for most of the season. I mean, the Sox had a little bit of a faltering there where they dropped a fourth, but then they picked themselves back up. And, you know, they're battling Cleveland right now for first place, the American League Central Division. But the Cubs have been in first for the whole time. And you just hope that they can sustain that kind of energy and that kind of commitment over these last 20-some games that uh, are, are left on the schedule. But it's been very interesting to see some of the comments that they say, I can't wait to, for us to be able to, you know, see each other, you know, on social media, because I, I'm not sure how they're going to allow fans to come into the ballpark for uh, the playoffs. And that would be sad. Can you imagine yeah. if the White Sox or the Cubs make it to the World Series and we can't go to Wrigley Field or Guaranteed Rate <laughs> Field? That would be, that's a bummer. But we got to get a virus, uh, uh, a um, a vaccination thing or whatever they call it, uh, real quickly so in this pandemic i love that and i and, and and jim it's it's you know you look at and you you kind of detailed kind of the ups and downs of both teams and, and focusing really on the on the cubs right now they ha- they came out to that super hot start 13 and 3 which insulated mm-hmm. their you know they had that opportunity to have a little bit of, of a rough patch i wouldn't say they're they're world beaters right now and how they're 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 playing but they're leading the league by but the, they're 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 league by a comfortable margin right now at three games against the cardinals mm-hmm. you know this is a team that has been firing on on all cylinders. Most of its its core four players have not really shined. You know how how are they doing this? When you look at this team, how are they in the position they're in without a lot of great production from um, from Baez and from Bryant, from Rizzo and Contreras? Mm-hmm. Two words: David Ross. I didn't think that that. Well, no. Let me let me back up a bit. I didn't uh, know that he would have this kind of success as a first time manager. But I've known David for a couple of years, you know, by interviewing him in the locker room and everything. And he's so engaging and he asks a lot of questions, even of us. Because I said to him one day, I said, David, you know, you know, when you're done with this playing, you should go into television. I mean, you'd be great <laughs> on TV as a commentator, because as a, as a catcher, like a quarterback, you know everything about everybody at every time. And he, he said, really? I said, bro, I'm telling you, I've been in this business almost 50 years. And I've seen a few come and go, and you're the guy. You're you could be, you're the next guy that could be sitting next to Joe Buck doing, uh, you know, the World Series or whatever. Little did I know, 
that he could translate that over into managing. So when you look at that, he is just a couple of years removed from playing. And the guys that he is managing, they played with him. Now they play for him. He knows their mentality. Look what happened with you, Darvish. Darvish is 7-1 right now, right? Darvish is basically, maybe outside of Trevor Bauer, one of the best pitchers in baseball right now. And he was horrible two years ago. And look what happened. David Ross has been the key to this whole thing. Between David Ross and Anthony Rizzo, they're the two guys that sit at the back of the yacht and they, they move the tiller left and right to keep the ship going the right way that it's supposed to go. And it just seems like Ross knows how to plug people in day in and day out. So that's why the Cubs are where they are right now. And what about the play of Ian Happ, Jim? I mean, we oh. probably, you know, for, for a team that was searching and searching for a leadoff hitter, I don't think we can ask that question anymore. We've got the guy who can lead off for this team and is arguably the best player on this team in 2020 right now. Absolutely. I mean, you know, this guy, he's hit key home runs at key times. I mean, his batting average is 244. So he, he's, he's just playing some great baseball right now. I'm sorry. His batting average is 295. Yeah. And these are the guys that, that, that Ross is able to plug in because he knows what their track record is. He knows what their history is. And so for Ian Happ, a guy who basically is still trying to prove himself to everybody because he's only been in the major leagues just a couple of years. He's got that drive. He's got that determination. He's got that will. He's got that chip on his shoulder and he wants to knock that chip off every game. And so he's got, he's, he's what we call a gamer. He's a guy that's going to bring it every day. Yeah, and he it, he just makes it look effortless when he's out there. Just um, uh, I'd say that like emotionless, but not in a negative way. Just he's out there just doing mm-hmm. the work. So we would love to get your take on on the the hobby bias question I posed on the last show, and it's a premise that I've not seen asked in in the media. Maybe you have, and I missed it. But um, I think Javi is being affected by the fact that there are no fans in the stands, and he drives off that energy, and, yep. and he hasn't had that. We just heard in the last couple of days uh, he was very he's upset with Major League Baseball that he's not able to look at any in game video because he made the those adjustments that helped him as a hitter. What is your take on what is wrong with Javi Baez? I think you hit it right at the beginning with the no fans. Uh, Javi's a showman. He's an entertainer. And he plays the louder it gets, the better he seems to play. Javi is, he doesn't have the nickname El Magro for, you know, just to have it. Because he's a magician. And what he loves to do is a magician loves an audience. And right now there's no audience except for the folks at home. So maybe in his mind, he's got to sort of mentally make it up that, hey, man, they're cheering for me. They're going crazy for me. And that's, that's a, for him, it's a good thing that they do have the crowd noise that they have and, and some of the other sounds that are coming out of the speakers. But just trust me about this kid, okay, when it comes time. Because the Cubs are doing very well without him in a sense. I mean, he's playing, but they're doing well without his contribution. So with that in mind, when the playoffs come, I think that Javi Baez is just going to turn it on to show everybody that he is MVP caliber. Not this year, like he was a couple of years ago, but he needs a stage to play in front of. And right now that stage is not there. So I think you hit it right on the head that by not having fans in the stands, he's basically got nobody to play for. Let's talk about, we were just a couple weekends away from the playoffs, hard to believe, but it's just a 60-game season. What do you need to see from this team, this lineup, this core? 
What do you need to see for them to make a run? Just stay steady and consistent. Um, Darvish is going to carry you. The bullpen is still a little bit, you know, of an issue. Craig Kimbrell is still, you know, I mean, got to bring it, bro. Um, I'm, I'm sure Javi Baez is going to be Javi when it's time to be Javi. Um, I, I like the way that David Ross is managing this this ball club. And so if they can just stay healthy, that's obviously the common denominator here. If they stay healthy, they're going to win. Uh, is Chris Bryant over that hand injury? He, he, you know, if he's, if that's the case, you got Bryant, Rizzo, and Baez. You got you Darvish. I even hold, uh, you know, the professor, who's one of my favorite players of all time, you know, Kyle Hendricks, because he's so cerebral. So they've got a pitching staff where, and even John Lester from time to time. I'm hoping that the Bulldog can come back with some of that fire that he showed, you know, in the past. And, you know, Wilson Contreras, I love Willie. He, he's, he's got the great energy. He's got great power. He has learned how to control his pitches. He's learned how to work with all the pitchers on the pitching staff. So I think if they can just stay consistent, just win 70% of their games from here on in, just maintain, stay in first. Right now they're the number two seed. If the season ended right now, they'd be the number two seed. So uh, if they could get that number one seed, I mean, Los Angeles is playing pretty good right now, but if they could get that number one seed, everything's got to come through Chicago. And then on the other side of town, even though we are talking about the Cubs, I will. I want a Cubs White Sox World Series so bad before I before I retire. Jim Rose is our guest. Of course, you can find him. He's the 4 p.m. 6 p.m. sports anchor in WLS in Chicago. Uh, been there uh, since the uh, early 80s. So, Jim, I feel like you're the perfect person to ask this question to. You know, we've obviously seen this great run by the Cubs uh, from you know the the start of the 2015 season to now. Where do you see? I, I would say, I know it can be a little difficult to rank this, but as far as teams that you've had the opportunity to cover as far as, um, you know, the, just the popularity and just how the hype was, you got to cover the six championships with Jordan. You covered the 85 Bears. You covered the White Sox, the three Blackhawks championships. What about this Cubs run and where you think it ranks as far as the teams you've gotten to cover over your time in Chicago? I'd have to say it's up there with uh, Bulls run that started uh, with the first championship on June 11th, 1991, and went all the way through to June of 1998 when they won their sixth and last championship in the last of the Jordan era. The thing about the Cubs, though, is they don't have the ringleader like the Bulls did with Jordan. I mean, Jordan was the best player in the league. He basically had the second best player in the league in Scottie Pippen. So with that combination, and then you throw in Phil Jackson, who was the maestro uh, to stir it all up, uh, the aspect of success was going to be there. For the Cubs, it's something that goes back, you know, generational. And I would say maybe a couple of generations because they had that tag of being, you know, the lovable losers. You know, there was that situation in 69 where they just fell on their face in September and then 84 and then 89. And then we get, you know, uh, finally to 2016 when the curse is finally gone and they they win in Cleveland. Now, at that time, and even before that, as the season had progressed in 2016, I said, the way this team is built right now, they're built to win a couple of these in the next couple of years, maybe two in four years or one in three years, something like that. It didn't happen. Um, There are a number of factors that are involved in that. But the fact of the matter that the fans stayed with them, 
And the fact of the matter that they that ballpark is full all day, every day when they're playing. They've got the best fan base in all of baseball. No disrespect to the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Cardinals, you know, some of the other iconic teams with fans. And so I would rank them number two behind the Bulls because covering those six championships um, in, in a way was kind of exhausting, but it was a good exhaustion. And I had that for over an eight-year period, even though I go back even further to 84 with Jordan as they made their way through the seven years to win the first championship. Well, this Cubs team really was starting to get built in 2009 uh, when uh, Theo Epstein came. Do you realize the day that Epstein took the job and the day they won the championship in uh, October of 2016, or November, I'm sorry, of 2016, they made 148 different moves during that time. Players, a lot of them players, some of them managers, some of, you know, maybe one or two front office. Most teams make four or five moves a year. They made 148 of them during that time, and the only guy left standing was Anthony Rizzo. Rhino, now we're going to talk about, I'm so excited, our new partner, the Federalist Wine. So excited to bring them on. This is our second week. Uh, make sure you tune in to last week's episode with Andre Dawson and then the full in interview with Andre. We still have that fantastic free Cubs hat uh, giveaway. Make sure you uh, tune in. You can figure out how to to uh, text uh, a code to a certain number and you can get a free Cubs hat. What else do you know about your new favorite wine from Federalist? Wines talk about their firm tannins. I don't even know what tannins are. I know. Uh, food flavors. You know what? I can tell you this is the Federalist. This is an American wine crafted for the only tasting note that matters. And you know what that is? Damn good taste. And it goes well with dude food, my friend. <laughs> it really does. It is. It's a bold choice with baseball or a backyard barbecue that you can you can just have it and try it for yourself. You can grab a bottle. This is a really cool promotion. If you go to uncorked.com, that's uncorked.com, use, use code CUBS20 at checkout, and you get 20% off your purchase. That is courtesy of our partners there at The Federalist. This is The Federalist. This is American Craft Wine. Yes, must be 21 or older to consume alcohol. Please drink responsibly. Hey everyone, Ryan Badgley from the Barfly Tailgate Show and football season is kicking off and I know you feel like I do, so to steal a phrase from WWE superstar Daniel Bryan, yes, 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 and I also know you are like me and you love the work Allen Robinson is putting out on the football field, but also off the field. That's why we're so pleased to partner with the Allen Robinson Within Reach Foundation. Their work provides educational opportunities and resources to low-income and inner-city Chicago students to help put success within reach. How can you help? Immediately, you can visit allenrobinson12.org and learn more about what they are doing and make a donation. If you can't donate money, can you donate your time? The foundation is always looking for volunteers. And... Please let others know about their great work. In the coming weeks, the Barroom Network will hold some fundraising efforts, and we hope that you'll be a part of those. And again, let your family and friends know. Now, how about them Chicago Bears? I'm so psyched up for this season. I think A-Rob has 100 catches and double-digit touchdowns. Now let's bear down. Our thanks again to Jim Rose from ABC7 Eyewitness News. He has some really cool insight to uh, 
some of the Cubs and uh, obviously with his career. And of course, we will play his full interview in a week from now. So you can listen to some really great stories that he had when it came to not just the Cubs, but his stories with the Chicago Bulls. He made a cameo as well in The Last Dance. So stay tuned for that. And uh, of course, don't forget, you can also find Chad and I on social media, just like you can find Jim on social media. Chad and I are there too. I'm at Ryan D. Lieber. Chad's at B. Chad Gordon. And of course, you can go to our Facebook page, which is the Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines Facebook page. We're always welcoming new members so you can interact with us and we can hear what you have to say. And obviously you heard the promo for the Barroom Network. We're super excited about that partnership. Uh, it's uh, It's been a great collaboration so far. And uh, if you are a Bears fan uh, or if you like sports memorabilia, uh, really if you're a Bears fan right now because football is starting back up, make sure you check out all of our brothers on the Barroom Network. All right. So let us move on now to the eighth inning, Chad. And, of course, some sad news that uh, we had at the beginning of the week. Um Hall of Famer Lou Brock passing away at the age of 81. Of course, uh, if you're a Cubs fan, you know all too well the story of Lou Brock and the fact that the Cubs traded him in 1964 in what is considered the worst trade or arguably one of the worst trades in baseball of all time. Um, Brock, who started his career with the Cubs, he's actually the only player, Chad, who has played both 300 games with both the Cubs and the Cardinals. How about that? And Lou Brock passing away at 81. What are your thoughts on Lou Brock? I know we were both uh, barely alive when he retired, so I don't (laughs) really have any (laughs) memories of him. But the impact that he made and the stories I heard about him, at least, um, are, are quite remarkable. It really is. And, you know, it always goes down as one of the worst trades ever. Um, think about this lineup right now. In, in, uh, in 1964, the Cubs had – here's the batting average. Lou Brock hitting second. Billy Williams hitting third. Ron Sato hitting fourth. And Ernie Banks hitting fifth. Are you kidding me? That was the team in 1964. That's four Hall of Famers. But as you know – we don't talk about the Cubs from 1964, so obviously they didn't do a whole lot. But, you know, the reason that, that, that Brock was traded at the time, there's a couple reasons. You know, he hadn't really established himself um, at that point. I think he was he was, he was uh, in his third season at the time, um, wasn't really an offensive explode, uh, force, wasn't really great in, in, in the outfield. So he hadn't really established himself, so he, he wasn't quite the known entity, you know, that that whole what might have been. I mean, we can say the same thing about Tommy LaStella and D, DJ LeMahieu, everybody that the Cubs have let go that has gone on to shine but one of the issues that i i when you you read into it and see what happened that was the time when the cubs were experimenting with the college of coaches concept where they didn't really have a manager they just had a whole bunch of people they threw at it and that probably wasn't great for the development of somebody like lou brock i mean here's a guy that um is just going to go down as as one of the all-time greats um there, there's actually a Villa Grove connection, um, and I'm, I'll share this link with you, Ryan, uh, uh, privately, but um, where Lou Brock actually went into Villa Grove because he had made a connection. Uh, Villa Grove is where I'm from, guys, if, if you didn't already know that in central Illinois, but made a connection with uh, um, a family in Villa Grove and, uh, and stayed very close with them and, and even drove in and did an autograph session at the cafeteria. Um, in the last decade, it's a really fun story. So he was a likable guy, a wonderful guy, a remarkable guy, um, and what a legend. Um, and uh, and uh, it's sad to see the, the, the great ones go. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, to think what the Cubs could have had with Lou Brock and, you know, obviously at the time they traded 
you know, Brock for what they thought at the time was what, Ernie Broglio. Is that how you pronounce his name? Uh, he was a <laughs> winner and his, his arm basically fell off when they got him at that point after the fact. Um, you know, I mean, but listen, he's clearly become what he became with the Cardinals. And, you know, it was a it was a great, great trade for the St. Louis Cardinals. And it worked out well for them. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. I, I will say this. And, uh, you know, there there are stories out there um, that have been written. Um, one recently that I saw that Sarah Sanchez wrote about the fact that the Cubs traded Brock because there was a lot of racism in baseball still back then and that the the Chicago Cubs management um, did not want to have um, a lot of black players on the team. Now, read into that what you will. You know, we can't prove that, obviously, but there are stories out there that, you know, suggest such things. Ernie Banks has alluded to that with Billy Williams over the years. So, you know, that's a sad, that's sad if that is actually really one of the reasons why the Cubs traded Lou Brock at the end of the day. But again, you know, there's hundreds of, of stories out there that may or may not be the case. And, and at the end of the day, you know, he ended up with the Cardinals and, and he became what's one of the greatest uh, base stealers, if not the greatest base stealer next to Ricky Henderson of all time. Yeah, and and uh, 1964, just a different time in America, and and a lot of uh, lot, there's a lot of layers to that story. So let's move on to the ninth inning, Ryan. And I hate this story, hate it, hate it, don't like it. Um, but it is getting a lot of traction. I'm shocked that they would want to do this, but I totally understand because if the playoffs get blown up by COVID tests, positive tests, that is going to be that's going to devastate uh, everything, plus weather issues. So I get it. So the the, the 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 powers that be in Major League Baseball are saying, and it's gaining a lot of traction, that there is going to be a two-site um, bubble, uh, one in Texas, one in Southern Cal, which could be fun if I could sneak in one of the games here in Southern Cal. But um, what do you think about this potential of taking, no matter where you finish up, there's not going to be any home teams, uh, um, and taking the entire show, the, the, the 16-team playoffs, and putting it in neutral side bubbles. Yeah, I mean, listen, do I like it? No, I don't. But what other choice do we have at this point? They're trying to minimize travel. They're trying to, you know, minimize the cost of what it would be if there was an outbreak of COVID like we saw earlier this year with the Cardinals and the Marlins. And, you know, just to break it down, Chad, so kind of as you mentioned, the first round of the playoffs would be at the home field of the team that has the higher seed. So it would be all three games at that ballpark. And then it's interesting because the national league games are going to be played in American league ballparks. And the American league games are going to be played in national league ballparks. Like you said, Dodger stadium and Petco park going to be for the American league, the new Rangers ballpark and minute Maid park for the Astros is going to be where the national league is going to be. And then at the end, it's going to be down in Arlington, Texas for the world series and the NLCS, and then Petco will host the ALCS. So, I mean, it is going to be kind of, you know, drab to watch, to tell you the truth. I mean, certainly I'll watch it, but it's not going to be the same, especially when there's no crowd, there's really no home field, and there's no atmosphere. The one thing I'll give the NBA credit for is they have created, at least to some degree, not much of one because you really can't, but you have the virtual fans for the home team of that designation for that night. Plus, you have like the home court look with the team logo on there. And then they kind of have, you know, the 
the, um, you know, the banners and obviously, um, you know, the graphics that allow you to think that maybe you're playing a home game. But for baseball, I mean, if it's hypothetically the Cubs and the White Sox, let's say, playing in the, you know, the new, you know, Texas Rangers ballpark, it's really not going to provide much of an atmosphere as opposed to if both teams were playing at, let's say, you know, guaranteed rate field or Wrigley field, but it is what it is. I recognize that's what it is. And we're just going to have to kind of, you know, deal with it as it is. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's why it's important for the Cubs to win the division because all the division winners, those four from each uh, the the eight rather from the American league, the national league, they will host the entirety of that first round uh, series and then it'll shift. But um, for me, yeah, it, uh, it's going to be interesting. This year has been interesting. Um, I have favored the radio broadcast. I normally do anyway, but I have favored the radio broadcast over watching it because it is jarring to see those empty seats. Um, and, and, and the radio with Pat and the, the, the crowd noise actually kind of fools me a little bit. So for me, I'll be listening um, no matter where it is. Uh, and it will be, it'll be very unique. Imagine Cubs White Sox World Series at the Great American Ballpark in Arlington. That would be something else. And, and you know what? I get it. The finances of it make sense because, again, if there's any outbreak, they have to safeguard. And, and the other leagues, you know, NHL, the NBA has done a great job with no outbreaks. So uh, I get it from a business perspective. I go back to say, if, if you're still complaining about the uniqueness of this year, um, you're not a baseball fan because I am enjoying baseball. It's been the greatest thing about 2020 so far of, of having that. And then with playoff baseball, it's just going to be another unique thing like those those that we just have to wrap our brain around um, because we are getting to see the Cubbies strap it on and and uh, and play baseball. So for me, let's uh, let's see how it plays out. Let's have the Cubbies that first round so they can host one last series there at Wrigley Field. All right, so that is going to wrap things up on this edition of the Friendly Confines. Once again, our thanks to Jim Rose of ABC7 Eyewitness News. For Chad, I'm Ryan. We'll talk to you next week, everybody. Thanks so much, and please wear a mask. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game For I've seen other teams and it's never the same When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're healed The first time you walk into Wrigley Hey everyone, I'm Chad Gordon. And I'm Ryan Lieber. We're the hosts of the Friendly Confines podcast. Each week we'll bring you the latest Cubs news from the fans' perspective with some of the biggest names in sports. Joe Buck, welcome to the Friendly Confines with Chad and Ryan. Yeah, oh my God, I'm happy to do it. Pat Hughes, welcome to the seventh inning. Happy to be here, Chad. It is Len Casper. You got it, Ryan. Chad, happy to be with you guys. The Hawk, Andre Dawson. What is my distinct pleasure? I'm doing fine, thank you. We're also excited to bring you new episodes as part of the Barroom Network. So if you're a Cubs fan or even just a baseball fan, be sure to check out the Friendly Confines podcast every week on the Barroom Network. You want a totally uncensored, unfiltered Chicago Bears pregame show from the perspective of diehard Chicago Bears fans? We've got you covered. Here on our YouTube channel for the Barroom Network, we've got a show called The Barfly Tailgate Show. 
It's just a bunch of diehard Chicago Bears fans ready to rock and roll before the start of every Bears game. Remember, the Barfly Tailgate Show on the Barroom Network's YouTube channel. Hey, this is Len Casper, the TV voice of the Chicago Cubs. You're listening to the Friendly Confines podcast with Chad and Ryan.